0: Welcome to yet another episode of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby podcast. This episode will be coming out on November first, so happy November it's set to be a full month with our fifty episode fiftieth episode just a few weeks away, a brilliant block of fixtures across the region, and most importantly, my birthday is in November. There are five Wednesdays this month, which means there's going to be five episodes. And we're starting off with a cracker. Me, Ross Anderson, him, John Muir, and together we are joined by Shire head coach, John Dalrymple. Another John on the podcast, just to confuse me even more. But thank you very much for joining us. How are you, John? I'm not too bad, thanks.
1: Pleasure to be here. As always. I'm also good, Ross. Thanks for asking.
0: (laughs) Okay. I don't normally ask how you are, to be fair. I see you often enough that I don't don't really need to ask. I don't really want to ask either, to be perfectly honest. So... Moving on, John, we need to know kind of where you've come from in your, in your rugby career. So how things started for you, how you got to where you are right now, and then as you moved through becoming a player, becoming a coach, and, and what you're looking to do in the next next little while.
2: Well, to be honest, I went back and listened to some of the pod and the operation, and I feel like everybody might have a bit more experience. Starting as everybody else, I think, in the, in the minis. 14s, 16s, 18s. And that was back when back when you could go to the first team when you were 16. So I joined the first team maybe around about that time, played a little bit of rugby back and forward with them for a wee bit. We had quite a good core, so we did. All around my age group, up through the ages together. And I think because, I mean, I know they do it for safety reasons and you can appreciate that, but the... One of the big things about getting to link up with the first team so early is you sort of had that a motivation to play first team rugby when you were quite young. I think this is a problem we are finding at Shire just now. I imagine Stuartry Newton, maybe in position when we're linking up for the 18 squad is that you sort of build those relationships, I think, with the first team coaches and the first team players a little bit early. You want to keep involved, keep playing, work your way up into the team, so... There's that that's There's a good few, a good few of the boys that I was mates with, all the way through. We we eventually sort of graduated, if you like, to to the first team. Kind of for a few years, I sort of made up the code of that first team. We would play 18s sometimes on a Saturday, uh, and if the first team was at home as well, you would then finish your 18s game, change the shirt, run across, sit on the bench for the ones, and then you would all go out ones in the 18s. Probably shouldn't have been, but all the boys would go out for a beer afterwards, and it was a, it was a good squad. Uh, like I say, probably went up into the shire ones. Probably about the time I think it's fair to say the competitiveness of that team was on a bit of a slide. I don't think anybody'd be too offended at that. And I think quite older players in the squad at that point. You know, we were boys essentially 17, 18, and most of the blokes are mid thirties. A bit of a divide, I think, for a wee while, and probably quite player-led in the changing room, I would say. And then again, a little bit of change. Some of those boys went away. Like I said, that that team we came up through with 18s, we kind of became the core sort of group of that. That first 15, I would say, again, relatively fair, pretty light on talent, pretty pretty good in the pub. In general, we had we had a lot of good, a lot of good bus trips, a lot of good nights out. Won a lot less than we than we lost, but I don't think we I don't think we worried about it too much, to be honest. And then I was sort of around the the club for a bit. In fact, actually, I never mentioned uh, I did actually play very briefly. I had a a quick stint up at university, so I did have the the chance to go and play a bit of uni rugby for a few months before Christmas up there. And again, it's good just to maybe get a little bit different perspective sometime. I know a lot of people have played for, for plenty of different club, clubs. I've only ever been at the one, but it was it was good fun because, again, it was all very player-led. It was all the boys just running it. You did what you wanted to do. So then, yeah, just stuck about for a bit, took a bit of an injury, 2018 maybe. I was myself and another boy, Connor Stevens got injured. And it was luckily around about the time that the club was hosting Level 2 course. So we actually went and did that. I spoke to spoke to the coach Paul and said, you know, injured you need need a bit of a hand coach and all that. So we did we did a season doing that, which was probably tough at the time, I think, because again we were a little bit younger than some of the maybe the boys that were in it and maybe we weren't prepared to listen to some of the ideas that we had and I would say maybe a clash of styles on the coaching team as well between what we were thinking about doing and what maybe Head coach was looking for at the time. So, did that for a season, went back to playing, and then probably last, no, season before last, when Gregor took over as head coach, still playing. And then, I was probably feeling like I was falling maybe a little bit behind in terms of some of the skill sets, some of the younger boys coming through, eh, some really good young players. So, probably throughout that season, uh Tried to almost take on a little bit of a leadership role, maybe. Uh, feeding back to Gregor on different stuff I'd thought about, different ideas and just things maybe I'd noticed on the pitch that he hadn't noticed on the sidelines, stuff like that. And then he came to me, started last season, said that I wanted to come in, played all of one game at most. In fact, I was only I was only meant to be injured to cover and then everybody got injured in the first 10 minutes and I had to go on. But luckily I went on, scored a try, showed me how it was done. And, and that was that. But And then probably moving into this season... Hadn't intended necessarily to come in as head coach, but Greg, I was really looking to push himself back into playing as much as he could. I think he was maybe struggling a little bit finding that balance between managing the whole thing and looking after his own body, trying to get himself in the right position for for games. So uh, that sort of naturally just kind of progressed with me doing that, taking over a bit of his uh, responsibility, and that's that's pretty much me up to now. I don't know, I think I've covered everything.
0: There's a fair few points I want to pick up on there. John, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna start with the playing side of things. And you mentioned about the making that transition from eighteens into first fifteen, which is a thing we talk about a lot, but we've never really had someone that's had that huge divide, especially in age. You know, when you've got you guys, the young ones coming up, and then the only other people are mid thirties. The best squad you can have most of the time is when it's completely mixed from all ages, all abilities, all backgrounds that kind of thing that must be a really tough thing to have such a big group of youngsters and a big group of of older folk and a it, it, bit of a clash at the club and as you say it might have might have impacted a little bit
1: see just before you answer john what do you mean old guys thirties? what <laughs> you got me from when you're 18 you think that's quite old don't you
0: i said older
1: old, old <laughs> guys mid 30s
0: yeah. When you're eighteen people in mid thirties are double your age. That's old to you. That's it.
1: Yeah, I'm going home.
2: I think in general I think it was quite a good it was quite a good mesh. i would say we'd had that sort of uh, introduction maybe because because you could get in to play senior rugby when you were sixteen at that point, which I think we might we might have been one of the last intakes maybe, my age group. To be able to do that. I can't remember many more after after us, but I was training with some of these boys since we were Fifteen, you know, we'd, we'd had the the introduction to them. Yeah, it was it was a bit of classic styles at times, but on the whole, the majority of the the guys we were in with were were pretty welcoming. They were more than willing to include you if you are willing to buy in, which was a struggle sometimes. But I think it was more it was more the expectation. I think that we'd never probably had as pretty young boys to to be expected to you know go on the pitch, give your all throw your body into places you hadn't thrown them before because you didn't have to do that 16s and I think as well there was a lot of guys maybe like I say in the tail end of their career that had probably played and been involved in maybe some of the more successful sides. you know I think the everybody talks about the sort of late 90s maybe even pushing into the early 2000s it's always this this cliche it was a big big hard shire pack just a bunch of big hard blokes you know and i don't know that maybe we weren't necessarily prepared for that sort of environment you know i think one of the first training sessions i went to were the ones that was multiple fights and boys knocking lumps at each other and everybody's like us young boys like what the hell's going on here no i think i think it did take a bit of getting used to but on the whole i think it did make for it made for quite an interesting group and how is that
1: influenced implant- just now, John. Just, I'm curious to see because it's another thing that we talk about with that transition from 18s to seniors. Is just to try and make sure that there's a game plan that seems to flow through the whole club. Is that, you know, is, is that something that, having seen that from the player side of you, that you are trying to implement in your coaching just now f- for the club?
2: I think that's 100% what we're aiming for. Unfortunately, at the minute, with the 18s being a, a combined squad with Galloway, it doesn't make it too easy. We would also I mean, we would love a seconds team that's the the, uh, the ultimate goal I think we're not quite there on numbers at the minute we are sending a few boys down to down the twos as well at times but yeah definitely we, we've spoke about this multiple times even just in the last month I think that we're not probably getting that flow of young ones coming through at the minute and, so, and to then not being, getting it's harsh maybe bit to say it but not being adequate in terms of the skill and then you don't really have a place for them to go necessarily to get that skill level up and they just sort of fade away into nothing because they're not they're not getting in. So it's it's a really it's a tough a tough balance act, and it's something that I think we need to probably address as a club is to try and get that core skill set from four, the minute they go into fourteens, that's what they're working on all the way up sixteens, eighteens, and then and then they're hopefully near enough ready when they come to us.
0: About your coaching, John, and how you came into the role, you said something quite interesting to me there. Obviously Gregor was in the role before you, we we had Gregor on the podcast last season, and then he kind of came to you to see if you would take it on full time. Without wanting to put words in your mouth, it almost seemed as if it was I don't want to say thrust upon you because that's probably not the right word, but you know, it kind of maybe it all came very quickly. You know, after playing, did a bit of assistant coaching, and then suddenly, you know, you're ready or were you ready to step into the shoes whether you were going to do it or not how ready did you feel to to go make those two very quick transitions
2: yeah so in terms of the first one probably going playing to playing to the coaching I think I was probably ready for that because I had that sort of decision in my mind at the the back end of the the last season full time I'd been playing I'd say I was going I'm not keeping up with these young boys they're quicker than me they're better than me better everything so I was going I was sitting there a bit like I wish we had it second team I could go and play in just to, to have a little bit of fun on a Saturday or whatever and keep me involved in the club so I was a bit kind of swerving what I was going to do and I wasn't really wasn't really sure and then it. Fortunately, had came and said you know do you want to get involved on in the coaching side at that point it was just him and he was playing a bit as well so uh, a pretty tough gig on his hands so came in last season probably took me a little bit of while to find the feet again but got into it and that kind of coincided with Gregor, finding a bit of fitness towards the back end of the season. So again, taking on a bit of the responsibility, probably some stuff, uh, planning sessions, whatnot. And then again, had a bit of discussion over the summer in terms of Gregor saying how he was looking to really you know focus on the playing side of things. And we were looking at bringing some more coaches in as well, because I'd say even with the two of us, although it was quite easy, when it was just two, you just to bounce ideas off each other all day, and you can kind of, you can almost wing it a little bit with sessions. You can kind of turn up, and you know, you know what Gregor's going to do, and he knows what I'm going to do. But we we're looking at bringing in a couple of other coaches to to help us out. So it was almost a, a well, I would not say it was thrust upon me, but it made sense for me to then step up and an idea of how we've been playing, what we wanted to do, and obviously what this year just to be another progression of that. We didn't want to just rip things up and come in with a new style. The boys were used to what they were doing. It was working to a degree and let's say we knew we had things we wanted to push on from that. So it made it made sense almost as a transition for bringing these extra coaches in that they had someone they could touch base with that knew exactly what we were looking for. So it is a it is a tough gig. You've got a lot a lot on your hands by the time you go around and do all the analysis and stuff like that with the video and planning the sessions and touching base with players, touching base with coaches. So, uh, but no, enjoying it so far.
0: And this is a hard thing to do because it's never easy analysing yourself, but how do you feel if you had to do a self-assessment that you're getting on? Do you think there's definitely some challenges that you didn't expect to be there? I'm sure there are. But on the whole basis of things, you know, are you, are you, finding, are you starting to find your feet in it? Are you enjoying it? Put me in the spot now. I think on the whole, I've been
2: pretty pleased with how, how the majority of the seasons went so far. Pre-season, I thought, went pretty smoothly boys come off the back of that in pretty good condition probably if i'm critique myself on that i think we've probably lost a little bit we've maybe not maintained that as well as i would have liked we have probably went to content heavy sometimes in sessions we've we've let the let the running slip away a little bit yeah i think i think it's it's been a, a different challenge certainly that's quite easy last year to do a lot of the organizing when it was just two people bouncing ideas back and forward. This year, it's been a case of trying to... We brought in Carmel McGregor, who was... He would coach me when I was like 12 years old, probably. Coached me in the first team as well. Spent a bit of time with the under-14s. I think he was ready for a step back up to adult rugby. But he's kind of come in as a sort of forwards coach. He brings a lot of good knowledge. I know it's going to be a cliche to say that some of the, the the older guys are a bit old school in their approach and don't appreciate maybe some of the more sophisticated stuff that modern rugby brings, but I think Campbell's got quite a good understanding of that. For I don't want to call him if I've been really old here, but he's a little older than me. So Campbell's come in on that side of things and a uh, guy you'll know, Dav Thompson, comes across on a Thursday night with us and comes away in a sard. So he's come in as back's coach, so... It's a bit more, a bit more coordinating, if you like, trying to set out sessions so that everybody's got enough time to do their own thing. I try. I don't like to. I don't like to micromanage too much in terms of saying you must do exactly this, you must do exactly that, because I know on my side when it was maybe Gregor I did that with me, and I'm going. I don't. I, you'll need to show me what you want, so it's easier sometimes to let guys do their own interpretation a little bit. And it's also just sort of try to keep up on the coaching points, making sure that, you know, we're reiterating them the whole time. Probably the one thing I've not done enough of is just to have sort of individual conversations with boys, you know, try to to keep up on their, you know, their individual work-ons, individual strengths, weaknesses and stuff like that. So that's probably something we need to touch on maybe into into the second half of the season.
0: John Muir, this time I'm gonna ask, because obviously you have done a bit of coaching yourself, done quite a lot of coaching yourself. But maybe maybe in different circumstances, everyone's situation is different. But are there, are there a lot of the things there that are the same? And, you know, there's probably a lot of things there that are uh, were different for you when you first had to step into the coaching role as well. Again, whatever that was, like, 100 years ago or something.
1: Yeah, it's a thing that happened, like all coaches will face the same sort of thing and especially when you're a, when you're a new coach and you're coming into that especially coming in as a head coach for John but I'm going to stand up for him a little bit because I I deliberately the language I used was re- I felt was really important that they weren't coming to a training session they were coming to a coaching session you didn't need a trainer or you didn't need a coach to be at a training session in order for you to improve your fitness because that's something that any individual player who's played any sort of rugby before should be able to know you're coming to a Tuesday and a Thursday where we as a coaching group will coach you to up your skills and make you better. If you feel like your fitness is not up to scratch, then that's for you as an individual to go and do. Like you don't you don't need me, John, Dav, whoever it may be is your coach. You don't need them to be standing over the top of you telling you to go for a 5K run or to go for a five-minute run or stop eating potato chips in front of the settee and go and do a walk or something like that. like that should be player buy-in but I suppose that's the kind of you need that buy-in from the senior players to be able to f- make that the minimum standard and the other point that John was making he was maybe being harsh on himself about having those individual player conversations, it's really difficult to have individual player conversations when you've got a squad of 25-30 boys that are all desperate for a for a game so it's about being able to drop them into training sessions that you don't need to have a sit down formal conversation, but you could have a conversation. Ross, I really liked how you did this, this and this last week. Let's see if we can do more of that. Or I really liked it's the the little micro drop ins as the sessions go on. I think the players will really buy into a bit of self reflection. Like ask the players. Like I always find that really powerful and like using the stats in games. You know, I I remember vividly there was one time we had a game it was actually against Annan. So I'll just name drop them and say Annan. And we got beat. It was one of the times we, we, we were struggling for Annan. Annan were on their their up and we were sort of trying to chase them down. And I had a group of forwards that were selected to carry ball. And that was why I picked them and they weren't carrying ball. So I just put a stat up on the sheet on the on the flip chart or on the projector that said, Here's your stats that you carried. Have a look at them. If you're there to carry ball and you're not carrying ball that's a conversation for you to have for yourself because it's very easy for players to lean on a coach, but sometimes as a coach, your job is to actually, not modicoddle them, but empower them to be better individuals and to be better players themselves and you're there to advise them and help, and it's that's the difficult balance to try and find, especially when you're a new coach and a young coach, is try to find that balance as to where do I sit on this spectrum, because everybody's different, but the good thing is John's taken a lot of stuff that he's... I mean, I'm speaking about him as if he's not on the not on the call with as he's sitting right in front of me. <laughs> but he's taken the stuff that he's, as a player, he enjoyed and making sure that his players are getting that and making sure that they're enjoying training sessions. And at the end of the day, that's the best thing, is making sure that they keep coming back. So I, I'd say you're being harsh on yourself, John. What you're saying so far has been has been pretty on the ball and what I'd be expecting from a head coach. I appreciate that. No,
2: I mean I know what you're saying about the about the stats. That we do use that as well. We've got the view camera there now. It's it's a good bit of kit to have, you know. And again, there's no hiding on it. It's easy to forget about things that happened on Saturday. You go back and look on the on the footage. There's no hiding, and you can tag the boys up in it, and you know you've got that accountability. You know what I mean? Like they can't they can't step away from it. So and it has been really good and. We do a lot, you know. Most Tuesday, Thursdays, we'll sit down and we'll watch fifteen minutes of the video before. If we can get footage from, you know, the other team coming in to the coming at the game coming up, we'll stick that up. We'll have a look, you know. We'll see what we can see in terms of things to target again on the Tuesday. We look at we look at what we've done.
0: John, we should have a word on the league this year. West One, obviously, you've just come up into this league. Bit of an indifferent start. We'll come on to the results maybe, or the performances in just a minute. But what about word on on the league, the teams that you come up against? Because obviously you've said in the past, there was a point in your career where you were doing more losing than winning when you were in the players. And and, and that's okay. And that's absolutely fine. You go through those peaks and troughs, like we always say. But this West 1 league is highly, highly competitive. And there's a lot of good players, a lot of good teams, some good coaching going on. You know, have you found that in the opening eight, nine games, seven,
2: eight games? Big thing for us last season was to get to West 1 because the league we were in in West 2, you had the uh, top four teams. That was us, Straven, DL, Oban. Every game you went into, into them was a tough game. After that, there wasn't much much on offer, to be honest. I think we had three games we won by more than 100 points and I would have rather I done a training session if I'm being honest. And I don't mean that as a disrespect to, to some of the teams that were there. It was just the gap in the levels, it wasn't beneficial to us. It wasn't beneficial to them. We were probably reaching that point. We'd been on quite a quite a nice trajectory for the last, pretty much since COVID. It had all been improvement, improvement, improvement. And I think we have got to that stage last season where if we'd stuck around in West 2 for another year, I think you would have started to see this regress a bit because there just wasn't enough competitive games. And that's why we wanted to get to West 1. And I think you look down that league, our since top of the table unbeaten but I think second down to about eighth I don't think there's hardly two or three points in it uh, everybody everybody can beat anybody and and that's what we want you know I mean sometimes it's not nice to show up and, and take a loss when we've been used to for the last couple of years winning the majority of our games you'd much rather take one of those tight tight losses like what we had against Comnic the last week than run the team 137 nil. I think that's what we did to Arvin. so no we've, we've really been enjoying the challenge in this league Quite interesting. I, th- I thought that there would be a lot more different styles, maybe, in this league than what we had in West 2. I think everybody still plays that big big runner around the corner, one-ups, kick you to the corner, and then try and bully you, which is pretty much what they try and to do in West 2, but they not very good at it. Whereas, you know, we are probably one of the few teams so far, I think, that's been that sort of wide, wide team that we just look to play from pretty much anywhere. We did try and dial that back a little bit. But the boys the boys like to play, so you got to let them. I think one thing
0: that is certainly true about that league is, the, like I just said, basically the peaks and troughs that they go through and how quickly it can change because I played Ardrossan last year and they were bottom of the league and they were really, really, really struggling until the last couple of games and then they just survived and now they're top of the league and they're absolutely smashing it. It's like it so easily can change and you need to ride that wave when you can but it's interesting you say about the about the styles. You touched on it a little bit there, what you're looking for. But because of this style that they seem to play in West One, do you always try and play your style, the Shire style, or do sometimes you have to as much as you might not want to slip into that? We've just got to front them up exactly the same way they're doing to us and hopefully we're better at doing it than they are, or are you always, always, always trying to play, you know, the Shire way or or
2: the John way? As much as possible, we like to try and stick to the process that we do. We we probably would pick this style, A, because it's it's quite a nice type of rugby to buy into. You know, that way I think, again, you can turn up the training boys, know they're going to get to throw the ball about. They're not going to be knocking lumps out of each other for an hour and a half every Tuesday, Thursday. So it's quite an exciting style. We hope that people enjoy the company watch it as well. That sort of buys into that side of things as well. Probably did touch on in pre-season that we might need to play a little bit more maturity, in terms of going to the corners, getting ourselves in the right position, and we've probably done that to good effect at times as well. But a lot of the joy we're getting is is from just looking to play, getting that quick ball as much as we can. You don't get as, you don't get the opportunity to play that quick ball in this league as much as you did down in West Two. Teams are better over the ball. Teams are better line speed. They can shut you down. But I think you know when we get that go forward ball, we look we look pretty good in this league. I think. The only teams that maybe try to play like that is probably DL as well, to to degree and even Comnic a little bit. I thought thought played that style, but you're up against a lot of hard boys. We don't have a big we don't have a big pack, so that does make it difficult to try and go toe to toe. We need to back. Let's we need to try and back our fitness if we can back that. Bessie beats big uh, as much as possible, so that's that's probably where we're trying to go with where that pack is just to be as dynamic as we can round the round the pitch and bank the teams will run themselves into the ground.
0: And if we're taking this season so far just as base, you know, not even thinking about the other teams, not even thinking about, you know, results last year or getting the promotion, literally just the eight games you've played this year, won four, lost four, sitting in fourth, I believe. Whatever you're doing, it's it's going pretty well. You've got to be fairly happy with what's happened so far. A long way to go. Don't get me wrong, but... The new boys in the league, you're sitting fourth. You can definitely go toe to toe in this in this West one.
2: Yeah, I think on the whole, plenty to be positive about at the minute. I know coming in, coming in off two losses for the podcast isn't great. In fact, I was listening to the one bit, uh Warren and he said, "Oh, we always get boys in when they're on a, on a bit of a roll. We get them in so you can see all the nice things." But you've dropped me in it for this one, so no, I think we've had probably of the of the four defeats we've had. Oban away, first game of the season, hellish place to go to at the at the best of times. To be honest, it's the best you're ever gonna get it when we went there, but we were never really in that game, to be honest. I thought actually Open for my money, probably been the best team up against this year. Again, they were quite up the jumper around the corner. We're gonna bully you, we're gonna go to the corner, we're gonna uh mull you over the line. I thought they'd actually brought a bit something different to their game. they ten. They played off ten quite a lot more when we played up there. And that brought a bit of dynamic and probably not what we were expecting from them. So, our drawson as well didn't didn't get out of the changing rooms. And again, kicked us to the corners. Tank, and you can can kick the ball the length of the park. So, you give him that chance. That's what he's going to do. He's going to keep you under pressure the whole game. So, we didn't didn't get going against them. The two defeats we had, Comic at home, that's probably the toughest one to take because that's what I said to the boys. If I showed someone the starts and I showed someone the highlights minus the tries, Everybody's going to say the team in blue that must absolutely blew that, to the opposition off the park because it was just wasted chance, wasted chance, wasted chance. On the flip side, positive is you are getting the chances. You just need to bank on the uh, bank on keep keeping being able to do that against other teams and and you'll finish them eventually. So, no, I think I think four from four were probably a little bit disappointed. I think we were looking to go into into the halfway point. Certainly, with more wins than we had then we had losses, and then sort of take it from there, see where we can aim towards for the end of the season.
0: Moving away from the pitch, then, John, we'll come back to what you're hoping for in this second half of the season. But away from the pitch, you've taken up a role which sees you, well, I'm I'm actually just presuming, and it's not right of me to presume, but a role that has you more involved in the club overall, not just, you're not just a player, you're not just the assistant coach, you are a lot of people's go-to. You're one of the faces of the club now being head coach at at Shire. And how have you taken to that? Because moving off the pitch into the boardroom, so to speak, is quite a different thing. How have you you taken to everything that comes with your role that's not to do with coaching the boys? I would say you've
2: presumed very correctly. (laughs) Yeah, the phone rings quite a lot in terms of stuff that's not necessarily to do with first-team rugby or to do with the development of the team around like that. So, yeah, that's that's probably actually been the biggest adjustment, I would say, to doing this as what I did last year in terms of all my role was, was turn up, try and make the team the best you can, go on a Saturday, try and win, see you next Tuesday, and that's it. So, in terms of being the head coach now, you've got yeah, a lot more hope. At you about stuff essentially, and and it, in a way, it's good that you get to be involved and you get to have those says and you get to have the inputs. It's also quite a big distraction, maybe sometimes in terms of you're maybe having a busy day at work or whatever, and you're going right, and you get this session planned out for tomorrow night, and you go and watch two hours worth of footage, and tag boys up, and get in touch with boys, and then that's maybe something else you need to go and you know deal with. It's not necessarily going to make the team any better at rugby. So yeah, that's that's probably been the biggest struggle. That, I've, that I'm having at the minute is trying to get that balance between keeping everybody happy behind the scenes and also trying to try to get the best out of the team.
0: John Muir is sitting there with what I would call a a wry smile, John. Isn't, he's hit the nail on the head with that, hasn't he? Obviously, we, we both have a role at the moment at Tree where where there's a lot going on and, of course, I've never done the head coach role but I can imagine that there's so much more than meets the eye.
1: Yeah, I... And it's been able to manage those expectations is is probably one of the the other challenges as a as a young new head head coach because you do you get pulled in so many different directions and it's almost exactly what you've just said they having that having that mantra is this going to make the team better if it's going to make the team better then I'll deal with it and I'll take it on board and we'll we'll come up with we'll come up with something is it going to make the team better no right well committee. You guys, you guys can take the lead on that. That's that's fine. I don't need to be involved in that. If it's going to impact us on the field by either making it harder or easier for us to play, then that's that's a conversation that i to. I'm happy to be a part of. But it is difficult because you are trying to keep the peace for everybody. You are trying to make sure you are all things to all men, and unfortunately, you just you just can't do it. But it does get easier, John. It does get easier once everybody knows where the. Well, the sort of line is, and what your expectations are, it does kind of does kind of filter in, and the more you can get your coaching team and leadership group in line, and they sort of mimic the same things as you're saying, then it does it does become slightly, slightly easier. But yeah, it's it's a juggling act, and it, there is a whole load of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that a lot of players and a lot of committee guys don't don't see. You know, the man management being able to deal with somebody's been selected somebody's not been selected you know just that stuff as a head coach you're one of your coaches going slightly rogue and wanting to do something that's slightly off tangent for where where your philosophies are you then having to deal with that there's then a committee guy coming in and asking you to take an under 16 session or, or help with under 14s or come and referee a minis game and it'd be great to be able to go and do all those things but at the end of the day is this going to make the team better? Because that's ultimately what they've put you in charge of is is be that, that mantra keeps it keeps everyone in line. And then people will start knowing, is this going to make the team better? Will know, well, what do you think my is going to be? <laughs> and then and then it makes it it makes it slightly easier. But you yeah, are pulled in all sorts of directions and it is the challenge. But you'll get there. You'll find your feet, you'll find the way it is and it and it stick with it. It will all get easier, mate. I'll
2: take away for it, John. I'll take your away for it.
1: Eventually. You'll just need to do the job
0: for four years, and then it will get easy. <laughs> John, how do you find the man management at at Shire? You said almost at the start there, or in your self reflection that that I cruelly made you do. That's probably something that you'd like to work on more, and and or that you've found quite hard is the maybe one on one conversations, but the man management overall. That can't be an easy thing because this time last year they you were just playing, or you were assistant coach, but or th- this time recently you were. Just playing rugby with your mates, and now you're their head coach. That can't be an easy thing to to kind of switch on and off. To have to man manage everyone that you were literally just playing with a year or two ago.
2: I think let say the first time round when I kind of took a small break from playing to to help coach, I really struggled with it. Then let's see, I think a lot of the boys were still maybe older than me and stuff like that. That was that was a bit of a struggle. I think probably coming back in. You can almost kind of draw on that a little bit from the experiences of then. Not so bad now that pretty much when, when I stopped playing, other than maybe three or four boys, i say probably one of the, the oldest boys in the in the uh, changing room. So I didn't find it too bad. And I'd say I had a little bit of transition. Probably, i say I spoke about that. That's a core of boys that we were all mates that came up through together. There's actually not so many of them still playing now anyway. So it's, you know, it's not so easy when it's maybe one of your mates from school or stuff like that or someone you would regularly go out for a beer with and critique them and whatnot. But I think in general there's a really good attitude in the group when it comes to comes to taking on take, taking on criticism. Or not criticism, but taking on advice or common looking at advice. Uh, a lot of boys, you know, come off their own back at the minute to, to come and ask what I need to work on. I'm not starting this week. How'd I get to start in fifteen? I can't fault the boys at all on that. I think everybody has bought in and on the whole I think everybody makes a makes a good effort to put action on what you're doing. so no I found it not too bad. We've not been too bad. We've not had massive amounts of points to go and drop uh, from the squad. Obviously we're down to down to nineteen this year, down from twenty two, so you've got a little less wiggle room in terms of that. So I'd say so far, not had to make anybody too upset, but that's probably not too far around the corner.
1: You're making you're making me look bad here, John, because all my mates started coaching. I was quite happy to drop everyone. I, I think I actually dropped four of my, what well, I would class as my really good mates. Like boys are about going to go catch up with meals and stuff like that. I think I dropped four of them for my first ever game. that Just dropped them out of the squad and says, you're not playing because you didn't, you didn't turn up to pre-season training. But fairness to them boys, they had been prepped through the whole pre-season. I think, again, it's one of the things that you can draw on. Is having those boys not spies in the camp—that's the wrong word—but letting them boys influence the squad for you because they'll see what you're trying to do. Like if you paint them the big picture, like use them senior boys to start drip feeding that, drip feeding that down. Because that was certainly as a head coach, you can't you can't do it all. You can't you can't be there. Like you have to disseminate that information down to them. Um, and what you want to see is your senior leadership group then able to disseminate that on the pitch because you can't be on the pitch for them. Going through a season where as you say, you've got those tough games, you're in a slightly more competitive environment now. So the boys can't just fall back on, oh we will just be able to keep playing and we'll we'll win this game by fifty, sixty points. Now they're now they're being challenged. So that's uh, it's it's only going to be positive for, for Shire rugby going forward.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably been the biggest adjustment for the boys this year is you know, I think probably going into a lot of games last year twenty minutes in, the game's done, you know, we may as well blow the whistle sometimes. The boys aren't needing to go away this time. So they are they they can't they can't drop ten percent in a game or teams will hurt you. I think Sardi definitely showed us that.
0: Don, obviously now being head coach, you're part of that whole coaching group at Shire. How great is it to see, especially recently? Maybe if I had asked a month ago, it would have been a bit more of a struggle, but as of late, how well the women's team is going, how much how much connection can you have with them or at least with their coaches, with with everything that you're trying to do together as a club? Yeah, I think the connection I think between
2: the, the men's and the women's is great. They're always out to to support us on a on a Saturday and in the club has afterwards on a Saturday night. And again Sunday the boys are always out to to cheer them on and again a little, little bit like us, I think they try and play they try and play to certain style of rugby they, they like to they like to throw the ball about a little bit uh, it's always good fun watching their games. So yeah, in terms of the connection through the coaching probably that's again maybe something the club maybe need to work on, I think is like I said, maybe about the fourteens, sixteen, eighteen stuff, the first team getting that getting that uh, cohesion if you like, everybody's working from the, the same thing. It's maybe getting a little bit of connection probably between the coaches of of both sets of teams and again sharing that information, sharing that style, sharing ideas, stuff like that. It's probably something we could we could bring in a little bit more, I think. No, it's great to it's good to see them winning some games. It's not so nice when you're not winning them, but it's it's good when they're winning.
0: As we wind towards the end, we have to ask, like I said I would ask a few minutes ago about the rest of this season. So eight games so far, four wins, four losses, fourth in the table talked about everything that has come has led you to this point if i were to ask you what your what you thought about the season at the end of the season come april or may or whenever it is what would you like to be able to say what are you hoping for any changes specifically anything that you should keep doing anything that you're really looking to work on for the next 9 games 10 games so we said we said we'd hopefully get to
2: to halfway, we would sit at the time, we'd have a little bit of view, look at the league table, avoid it. I started looking the last couple of weeks ago, so see where we, were. we are and compare it to everybody else. I'd say, I think, Barden or Drossen at the top and probably Kilmarnock at the bottom. Everybody's, you know, six and two threes, pretty tight. So, everything's there for the taking in terms of probably second down the way. In terms of what we're looking to continue doing, I think it's to continue to play with, play with the pace that we've been trying to play with, continue to implement our style, let's say obviously coming off the back of a couple of defeats, it's it's easy to be negative and go, yeah, we're gonna throw everything out the window and start something brand new. I think we need to trust the process. Like I say, the games that plan that we've been working to, it's it's shown that it's productive in terms of creating chances. It's just about making sure we have got that execution when it comes to the comes to the twenty twos. That's that's probably where we're lacking at the minute is probably both twenty twos a little bit a little bit lax in our own, just really in terms of finishing chances in, in the opposition, so just just try to bring in a little bit more clinicalness if you like. I think we need to be probably a little bit more dynamic round the round the pitch. I'd say maybe in West two we've gotten away with being a bit lazier at times. we don't need to to work quite as hard. the line breaks come that. That phase or two earlier, so you don't need to work that extra two or three phases. You've got to go work those extra phases in this league. So try to be nice and dynamic, around the round the pitch. And as I say, just just trust trust what we're doing is the right
1: thing to do. But to back up what you were saying there, John, with some stats just for the benefit of some of the listeners. So Kermak are currently sitting in second, they're on twenty-three points. And then you go all the way down to Lindsay, who's obviously your weekend your opponents at the weekend, will come on to sitting on nineteen points. So that's seven teams out of a ten-team league. That there's four points of a difference, and it's just so tight in that in that middle section. And as you say, anybody can beat anybody on their day. And unfortunately for you guys, you got caught out, didn't you? With with Lindsay, we said on the podcast like last week how difficult a place it is. Did Did you fall into the trap? Was did you Did you try and take them on in a wrestle?
2: No, I wouldn't say so. One of the things we've probably struggled with in the last few games is we've been starting quite slow. Teams have been getting the first scored on us, and it's been a lot of work to get ourselves back into. It. We scored two minutes in, so we did two minutes in of uh, off a line, off a mall. and then we just didn't didn't finish that score. We didn't uh, get, didn't manage to get the exit from the from the restart. Gave them a lot of ball in in our half, and eventually just. Too much pressure and they go back a level and then they go ahead and again you work back into it we get ourselves we get ourselves ahead spent a lot of time in the game ahead I think we were 15 14 at about 60 odd minutes so we were pretty pretty happy at that we thought we would just need to keep keep plugging away keep working keep doing our process we'll get another chance we'll get another score we'll get three points and let's say they got they've got another Pretty soft try, I think it came poor uh, decision in the backfield. I think we we let them let them get a good kick chase on us. And they they scooped the ball up, went scored again. Twenty one eighteen. We said right, it's fine. It's three points. We plug away. We go again. We go again. Seven minutes to go. Again, it just like I said, the boys need to recognise maybe that they need to play eighty and not sixty or seventy. And we shot three tries in the last seven minutes.
1: What was what what happened? Just a lack of fitness or lack of discipline? I think,
2: yeah, a bit of both. I mean, the penalty count on our our behalf was huge. Even even when we went ahead, coughing up so much ball just poor discipline. And then, I'd say, into into that last seven minutes, I think we we gave away the try to go 2018. And I think it was just a, a little bit of a head loss from some of the boys. They just went, oh, that's us that's, that's done. But when there was still, again, potential bonus points on the board for us if we went and Went and got after them, but yeah, maybe a bit of a learning curve that one.
1: And then when you look ahead to this weekend, East Kilbride at home. East Kilbride are a, a, another tough, tough team, a big physical pack. What are you what are you expecting? Without giving too much away, what are you expecting? What are you working on? What do you want to get out of the weekend?
2: Again, I think it's just sticking to that process, just sticking to what we know. Like I say, a lot of the teams we've, we've played this year have came with these big packs. On the whole, we've, we've manned them pretty well. You know, the comic game and the D L game before that, I thought, you know, line speed that we brought was brilliant. It was just shutting down shutting down options. So it's try to get that back into it. Obviously up at lanes, it's a little bit of a heavy track. So you kinda of lose some of that line speed quite early on when boys uh, boys' legs start getting heavy, but really fronting up and D going and shutting down the options and I say just backing that attack to go and, to go and create those chances and make sure we finish them this time.
1: And just before we move on to to rossi's quick fire questions, and he's, where do you see yourself in five years? Who are the kind of boys? Obviously, the last couple of weeks we've we've mentioned it's sort of the same boys that get mentioned when we talk about Shire, Jason McKee scoring all the tries, and I see David Gwens made made a comeback. Who are the sort of who are the sort of lads that we should be keeping an eye on? Who are the lads that are doing all the hard graft behind the scenes that maybe don't get the tries, but. Are certainly putting on the shift at the training ground. Yeah,
2: I think some of the unsung heroes definitely, probably Adam King uh, in the front row. He's he's having a really good season this year so far. He's a he's a bigger boy. I don't mean heavy, but he's for a big lad. He gets about the pitch really well. Really good work in D. He scrums pretty well, and you know carries a lot of ball. Doesn't necessarily get the as much as he should. So take the opportunity to give him him a bit of a shout out, definitely. Just looking at that back row, probably Sean Young does a lot of the dirty work as well. Doesn't get a lot, of, a lot of praise for it sometimes. So yeah, he get he gets about the pitch quite well, and you know, Guarded Dunlop, Loop, two hundred three appearances or something. Now he's been about a while, so does a lot of the breakdown stuff. Does a lot of the the carrying. That's that's probably the three the three main ones that maybe don't get the don't get the flowers too much.
0: Then, as John said, we do a few things to finish off. First of all, we. I don't really need to ask you about the next couple of weeks because we've covered that that's what we're we know what we're hoping for from Shire for the for the next few games but what about yourself on on a personal level is this coaching something that you want to continue doing for for as long as possible is it something that maybe you've really taken a shine to are there other roles that you're maybe keen to explore what what do you think you'd like to have in store for you, it's impossible to say what's going to happen. But what would you like? Yeah, well,
2: I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm, what I'm doing at the minute. Certainly, again, we kind of touched on it in terms of trying to tie a lot of the a lot of the boys' section through into the mains, and and again, that's just something we're lacking. We're not getting enough enough boys coming through. I think we had we've got one this year, potentially two, if if we manage to get another one of the young boys through his dispensation. I think we had one the year before, maybe none the year before that. So. We're not getting that flow of talent out through any of the, the team. At the minute, we're actually relying a lot on boys coming from further afield, which, again, I think is a credit to maybe the environment we're building. That's never happened before in my time. We've got, you know, four or five coming down from Ayrshire that have played for, Cumnick, Carrick, Cardick, et cetera. We've got boys coming up from Newton Stewart as well that aren't quite making that, aren't quite making that Newton squad at the minute. So that's, that's really where we're bringing it players in from at the minute we need to start bringing our own ones in so you know eventually probably looking at trying to to oversee almost that line of talent coming up from you know youth right through into the right through into the men's team and making sure that make sure there's longevity anyway it's not just a flash in the pan because obviously we've got quite a good talented squad at the minute and they are all relatively young I think you know average age will be like twenty three, twenty four, maybe but they're not going to be there forever and it's making sure that next crop's coming in behind them who's who's going to be coming in and making sure they're at the right level so yeah maybe taking a step towards that at some point to, to make sure that's happening but no enjoy what i'm doing at the minute
1: and just on that john if you're looking for that conveyor belt who's who's the sort of rising stars in the shire youth section that we should be should be keeping an eye on is there is there a group of boys coming through
2: yeah, well, at the minute, we've got touched on the boy we we're looking to put through dispensation, James McGarvey. He's just 17 just now. been playing with the 18s, but he's been pretty much training with us full time since he was 15. Six foot one, 90 kilos. So he's ready to go in that front. And, you know, he's a talented player as well. Uh, plays in the back row. So we're really looking forward. Hopefully we can get him pushed through the dispensation and he'll be available for us this year. Going back Below that, into the 16s, I know of Mackenzie Robinson, you hear a lot of good things about. Reese Winton, I think, as well, is maybe a talented young boy. Even below that, I think, in the, the 14s, I think you've got Mary McNeil, two or three other. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think there's really good participation in that 14s, in that 16s, and I know they're starting to pick up some wins. I know you go through that stage of being not very good and getting beat every week, and then eventually it clicks, and you start you start winning, so it's just making sure they go from 16s to 18s. That seems to be the real step that doesn't seem to get made at the minute, is that once they go to 16s, I don't know if they go to college or get jobs or discover alcohol or whatever, but we don't seem to to manage to get that big step up of 15, 16 boys going to the 18s team.
0: Last but not least then, we've got a few of, of your teammates to Give a shout out to some of these. I suppose aren't always positive shout outs. You might not want to get this label. But whether it's your, it's people that you've played with in the past or boys in your dressing room right now, completely up to you. Who's the hardest trainer?
2: Hardest trainer. I'm going to say Andrew McCauley, Paddy, paddy the Body. He's only he's only played for about two years, so he turns up every week and he's he's working hard. He's trying to learn. He's one of the ones that's at me every week how to get how to get and start fifteen. So, yeah, definitely the hardest trainer for me. Loudest in the dressing room? Callum Lamy. Loudest in the dressing room, in the club, in the pitch. Worst dresser? Oh, I'm going to have to say Big Adam King. Like I said, he's over six foot, front row, rocked up post-match with the skinny jeans on. So, not too impressed at that. Who spends the longest in front of the mirror? Now, considering he doesn't have an awful lot of hair, it is actually Gregor Henry. The product he puts into the mat here he's got is quite, quite disgusting, if I'm honest.
0: Who has the worst taste in music? Ooh, I'm going to
2: say Gary Dunlop. A lot, lot of heavy metal. Not for me. What about the most naturally talented? I would say Neil Forsyth, I think. Hasn't quite nailed down a position. But in terms of the raw skill, he's got just about everything you need. Biggest jokester in the dressing room? Prankster jokester? Adam Ingram, I think. I'll give his, I'll give his Instagram page a shout-out. It's called Inside Shire. Officially not affiliated with Wickenshire Rugby Football Club, so he thinks he can get away with putting anything he wants on it. So uh, you should check
0: that out. What about the laziest in something like training, but then on game day they're just world-class, they can turn it on with a flick of a switch?
2: I don't know about world-class, but laziest probably Callum Lamy again. He spends a lot of time rubbing legs, rubbing shoulders... Rubbing his back, rubbing his head. But generally speaking, shows up on a Saturday and he, he puts a shift in. What about the hardest? I don't know about in the current squad. I go back to my younger days when I said we come up into the changing room with some of the older boys. So I'm going to go with Nicky Hasty. Big prop forward. Used to wear shin pads for some reason. Nobody knows, but he was very old school, shall we say. Last but not least, the best
0: on a night out. Scott Forsyth, I think he can get himself in a few predicaments. John, thank you very, very much for joining us today. It's it's always great to have a new coach come in, especially this point in the season. We're really hoping to kick on even further in the in the second half. All the ideas that you've got for Shire coming in, almost, as we said, being, being thrown into the situation, but we're, we're chuffed that it's going well so far, fourth in the league, and hopefully all you do is climb up that league and we can... We can get you on the podcast maybe after a couple wins. We'll be a bit kinder to you next mm, time. Definitely.
2: Great. Enjoyed being here and, uh, and thanks for having me.
0: You're listening to the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast, bringing you the latest updates, captivating interviews and in-depth analysis of the sport we love. And now, we have some exciting news for our listeners.
1: This season, we are proudly sponsored by BE Uniforms, the clothing partner of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. They have been providing top-quality workwear and rugby kits for over 34 years, serving rugby clubs, schools and businesses across Scotland and the north of England.
0: What sets BE Uniforms apart is their commitment to quality and their extensive experience in the industry. With 10 retail stores spread across the region, they are the largest uniform company in
1: the area. They've partnered with renowned brands like Canterbury and Macron, making them the go-to destination for all your rugby kit needs. From Melrose to Oban and beyond, BE Uniforms has been supplying top quality rugby kits to clubs all over Scotland.
0: So, if you're gearing up for the 2023-24 season... And looking for a reliable kit supplier, we highly recommend checking out BE Uniforms. Visit their website at beuniforms.com to explore their impressive range of rugby kits and workwear options.
1: But that's not all. Did you know that BE Uniform hosts the podcast shop on their website? Now you can go show your support for the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast by purchasing exclusive DG Rugby Pod merch. We want to express our sincere gratitude to BE Uniforms for their support in bringing you this season of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast.
0: Now, let's get back to the action on the field. Stay tuned for more captivating interviews and insightful previews and reviews of all the thrilling rugby happening across Dumfries and Galloway. Welcome back to part two of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby podcast. Before we get into what we need to go through, the results roundup, fixtures preview, quick word on John. John, good of him to come on. As he said during the podcast, we like, we said we like to get people on when, when they're winning and we bucked that trend by bringing him on when. Shire on a little bit of a dip, but fair play to him for coming on and he talked really well and passionately and hopefully they turn things around.
1: Yeah, we we did try and get John on earlier on in the season when Shire were on the up, but unfortunately he took a bit not well, uh, which is why we had rearranged it for, for this time and just unfortunately for us and for him, Shire on a bit of a dip on form, but We've still got faith. They're still mid-table. They're not having an absolute nightmare. I still think they'll be able to turn it around. This weekend will be a tough one, Mayscoe Bride, as we talked about on the first part of the podcast. But home field advantage, Shire need to be taking advantage of that.
0: Yeah, of course, we've talked a lot about Shire this episode, rightly so. But there are a lot of other teams that we need to get through. So starting off with the results roundup, as we always do, we are heading to Newton. And they got what looks like a hard-fought victory, but a victory nonetheless. 38-25
1: against Stu Yeah, and it was first ever victory against Stu for Newton Stewart. They've never... Recorded a win against them. So well done for that. Uh, When I spoke to Wiley, he had basically said that the first half wasn't their best rugby. They were really poor at the breakdown, but an early Russell Morton try got them into a seven point lead at the start of the game. Stu Mel had managed to use the wind well to get field position uh, and they scored two close range tries and one penalty, which managed to get them up to the 15 mark. So it was 7-15 at that point. A late try in the first half rescuing Newton Stewart's blushes. They managed to get themselves a penalty try from a scrum, which meant that they went in at halftime 14-15. There was a better start to the second half tries from David Gaw, Robbie Service and Drew Fisher. Jack Gaw converted one of them to take the score to 31-15. Stu Mell managed to claw one back just to let Newton know that they were still in the game, which took it to 31-20. And then a converted try... By Russell Morton, brought the score line to 28-20. Uh, Stu Mel scored the last couple of minutes of the game, which meant the final score finished, as we said, 38-25. So it was another good solid home win for Newton Stewart. Mark McCormick coming back from injury and getting a man in the match performance. Ross Adams making his debut in the front row and Jack Gaw deputising at nine this weekend. Uh, all Wiley, let them boys be recognised for a, for a good game. So we did predict that it should have been a win for them. Looks, as you say, like it was it was harder fought than probably what it needed to be and what Wiley would have hoped it to be. But to pick up a first win against a bogey team is, uh, is a good way to start. Not too dissimilar a scoreline for Dumfries Saints
0: when it comes to the difference between the two sides. But unfortunately, this one is not in D&G's favour. Dumfries were also at home, 17. And a travelling Orkney did well to score 33 and win the game.
1: Yeah, and Paddy was really disappointed this, this week whenever I had the conversation with him basically he reckons the game boiled down to two lapses in concentration uh, and a bit of an unlucky bounce. So they played well for 65 to, to 70 minutes of the game, but they were just not clinical enough in taking their chances against a team who were able to convert those those opportunities into tries. The looks on Orkney's faces after the game gave Paddy a little bit of, uh, little bit of hope that they're on the right path because they looked absolutely knackered and they looked like they were beaten up just Dumfries need to make sure that when they are creating those chances, like we talked about with John from his game at the weekend there, when you create those chances, it's pleasing to see, but we need to be conscious of the next step, which is to convert those into into points and make sure they pick up some some victories as they start building their performance and building what they're doing now needs to convert into the mm-hmm. uh, onto the scoreboard. Bobby Douglas, outstanding at 15. Ewan Kennedy is coming into a real game on the wing and having Craig Goldie back just offered a bit of punch off the bench. And again, regular shout-outs on this podcast. Ian Carlyle, Ryan Crookshank and Harry Hodley all performing well for the Saints. Next up, we've got another game that didn't quite go Dumfries and Galloway's way, Roscoe. It 32, travelling White Craig's 38. 30- Six, close one.
0: Yeah, an absolute sickener. This one and something I've not stopped thinking about since it's we're recording this part two on Tuesday, and I've not stopped thinking about it since Saturday. And I'll I'll come on to why. But again, started really slow. We conceded two quick tries, and then we woke up. Then we started to get into the game. We did really, really well to claw back. We scored two good tries through Angus Lindsay, Sam Tate. And then suddenly we were up again 14-12. But just the fact that it takes 15 minutes and 12 points to the opposition for us to actually switch on and start is something really frustrating. And then from then on, it was really, to use one of your favourite phrases, John, a ding-dong battle. There was tries for both sides, they dominated some of the game, we dominated some of the some of the game, they pinned us in our twenty two, we pinned them in their twenty two. It was really, really back and forth, really good. And we managed to get ahead near the end after we finally scored four tries in the game. So we got ourselves a bonus point. And obviously by knowing the scoreline, we got another bonus point for losing within seven, which is which is great for us, getting picking up two bonus points is something we've not done all season. So That was a real positive, but we had a score from myself and from another from Angus Lindsay, who had a really, really good game again. And we got ourselves in front with not long to play. And here is why I have not stopped thinking about It's because they had a penalty probably about the halfway line, right in the middle. Kicked it for touch. Bobby Austin playing fullback has has ran back. Done one of those, you know, like caught it, while it's out, but thrown it back in and then stepped over the line. So he's kept it in and it's bounced in front of me and sat down and I was playing on the wing and I uh, I stared and looked at it for about three seconds and their winger came screaming up on the left-hand side of me, kicked the ball through and scored and they won the game, 36-32. 30, As I say, I think we all played, we genuinely played really well, played with a lot of heart and there were individual mistakes from from all of us, especially our defence some of our front-up tackling, that was something we talked about at halftime that needed to improve, but three seconds not concentrating from myself, I believe, cost us the game. Other people have said differently, which is very kind of them, but I could have put my boot through it or dived on it or even looked like I was going to do something, but that's the margins in, in national rugby. You switch off for three seconds and, and you can lose the game. Funnily, we went up the other end and got a penalty, and it was right in front of the post and I shouted, Take the points. Because I had no idea what the score was. I thought it well, I thought it was 34-32 to White Craig's. And Bobby Austin turned around and gave me the weirdest look. And I was very confused. And then I looked over someone's shoulder and I seen that it was 36-32. And if we had taken the points, I wouldn't have made any difference because <laughs> we still would have lost. So not a very I didn't shower myself in glory for a few minutes at the end there. I think I had a good game up until about seventy-nine and thirty seconds, but those last thirty seconds were pretty poor. But as I say, that's the that's the way it goes at the top. And at the end of the day, like it's another two two points, and actually the, that difference for those two bonus points, we're we're staying in fifth, and that could have if we hadn't picked those up, I think we could be in seventh and only one point above eighth, and it's eight, nine, and ten that go down. So fine margins. But all in all, I think some some really good performances. John Pickett really picked it up.
1: TJ, as always. Angus Lindsay, just not myself. Do you know what makes it worse? I'd love to be able to sit here and tell you that don't worry about it, you get over it. I still to this day have flashbacks of mess ups like that that I've had in games that come back and haunt me. So good luck. Yes,
0: <laughs> it's been a sore it's been a sore couple of days to be honest. Just replays over in your head, doesn't it? Especially when the ball is static on the floor. Ask that boy to make that kick another ninety-nine times he won't. It it glided along the along the touchline and just stayed in by genuinely millimeters from, from going dead. So fair enough. But yeah, it's not been a it's not been <laughs> too fun a couple of days. Probably the same can be said for, for the boys at Annan, John. They are definitely in something of a rut at the moment and they can't like myself, I've enjoyed much of the last few days after they travelled to Oban, uh, which is tough, of course. It's a it's a bit of a journey,
1: but to come away with a 50-10 loss is a sore one. Yeah, and those, those losses are starting to mount up for for Annan, You know, the loss against Oban there, that one-point loss against Isco Bride, there was a loss against Lindsay a loss against Cumnock, Against Shire, Adrossin, you have to go all the way back to the ninth of September before you can uh, find an and win of of twenty three fourteen against DL. So it's a tough, tough one for them. They now find themselves at the bottom of the bottom of the table, really struggling. Uh, they're on the same points as Commando now, even though they've played a, an extra game. And it's going to be, it's going to be a tough one for them. We said about Gut Check. I'm sure the boys went up there and, and gave them their absolute all. Um, I'm not for one minute suggesting that you know putting a bit of fight in uh, uh, will win you a game, but that is a sore one to take. Fifty points to ten. Josh Whiteside on his one hundredth appearance for the club as well. It's going to be a tough one for them to take. But much like uh, much like everything in rugby, you live with it for seven days and then you get another opportunity. So they'll they'll get their opportunity again at the weekend. It's one that's probably on the radar of being winnable for them. But we'll come on to that whenever we get there. It's, yeah, it's a tough one. When you're away from home, up at Open, it's a difficult place to go and to come back with a 50-point loss. Although they did have a themed bus trip. So every cloud has a silver lining, I suppose.
0: As we know, it was also a bit of a sore loss for Shire. We won't touch on it too much because, of course, John covered it for us. But in a more broader scheme of things,
1: Lindsay forty Shire eighteen, yeah. And we talk about we talked about that Lindsay side just being that that little bit ropey. No, not ropey. That's the wrong word. Unpredictable. Yeah. Unpredictable. Difficult to play at home, and they've they've proved it again. Forty points against against the Shire team is uh, is quite phenomenal. John said. John touched on it. John gave us a run rundown of the game, but that's definitely a scoreline I wouldn't have seen wouldn't have seen coming, and it'll be disappointing for Shire as. John Knightley says, they need to bounce back this weekend. We've got another tough one, but it's not a great weekend for d Rugby. Unfortunately for Langham, it wasn't to do
0: with performance at all. It was to do with their opposition not being able to field a team. They were supposed to be playing Broughton and in the end it got cancelled or postponed. Not even, does it get
1: postponed? Do, do they? Will they play again in the future or is that just a... So by the looks of it, there's been a there's been a three point deduction for Broughton because they were unable to fill the fixture. My understanding of it is that they will be expected to play that game again to give Langham the opportunity to get the game played. So it gives technically technically Broughton could go and win that game, get the five get the five points and claim some of those deducted points back. But Langham will be, Langham will be hoping that. If they've been struggling for this weekend, they'll be hoping that they'll struggle again to come down another weekend and maybe bring a, a lighter team and they'll maybe be able to pick up a victory from, from there. But that game will get replayed later on. It'll get reorganised. As we said, there's a three-point deduction to Broughton, which I think means that they've forfeited a the game previously. It's not never good when there's not enough players to play. I'm sure Langham had themselves all pumped up for a game ready to go. And unfortunately... Those guys don't get to run out this weekend for long. At Home Park, they did
0: get to run out. Moffat. And we've talked about having a little bit of a slip-up. At the moment, Annan have slipped. And unfortunately, they've continued to slip. Us at Stewart Tree, we slipped. We lost three games in a row. We managed to win one again. Now we've lost one again. It's very up and down. Moffat slipped. They lost that game, lost that unbeaten season, but they've come back absolutely firing. They had Shawlins at home and beat them
1: 38-26. I've been told unequivocally that we're not allowed to call it a comeback. So we're we're calling it a bounce back. (laughs) 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 So yes, the Rams managed to bounce back this weekend with a well-earned victory after the first loss of the season. It was the old cliche, classic game of two halves. Moffat got off to a great start with four unanswered converted tries and a penalty. Max Douglas again on man-of-the-match form, running in two spectacular solo tries on top of a try from Callum Dodds and a try from Martin O'Brien. Max managed to score three of the conversions and the penalty, and Gary Ward managed to get the kicking boots out as well, and he slotted a conversion. The Rams enjoyed the bulk of the possession for the first half, and Shalins dug in. And managed to get a run over a well-deserved try just before half time, which meant the scoreline going in at half time was thirty-one-seven. The second half was a complete reversal. The three tries ran in from the away side. The lads from the south side of Glasgow found their form and making Moffat really fight to make sure that they stayed in that stayed in that match. As we know, it ended up with the thirty-eight twenty-six as they managed to, as the Rams managed to wake themselves up and Max Douglas managing to run in another solo try and picking up the conversion. Moffat were really happy with it. They wanted to make sure they got back to winning ways this weekend uh, and get training back on track. And they wanted to maintain their, their league position at the top of the table. And they've made themselves just three points shy of Burkmeyer. So it was a captain's performance from Max getting man of the match, as we said, and a welcome return to Martin O'Brien on the front row. So next up for them, they've got a long bus journey this weekend, but they'll be looking forward to it on on a win again, hoping to get two in the row. This weekend,
0: we're going to do the fixtures, of course, in just a second, but just to say early on that the women's, aside from Dumfries ladies, have a bye this weekend. So, the results roundup we're about to have for the women's, we know that they've got an extra week to to work on these, these things, whether their game went well or not so well. Which was the case as we start with the Stewartry Sirens. Kostorfin came to Greenlaw, a very strong side, and proved it on
1: the day 61 to Kostorfin Sirens 3. Yeah, when we previewed this fixture, we were talking about the Sirens looking for a looking for a, an improvement on the last fixture against Kerstorfen. And listen, when you're uh, when you're in this, you're, you're going to, obviously, as a Stuartry man and as yourself, Ross, as a Stuartry man, we're going to clutch at straws. The last time, they scored zero points and this time, they've scored three points. So we'll take that. Small victories, small margins. But yes, nah, Kerstorfen are a really good side and as we say, Stry- Sirens really struggled this weekend at home. But, as we keep saying, they are at the bottom of the table. They are fighting relegation, and it is about small marginal gains, so that three points, although it doesn't sound like much, is an opportunity. Kotoren didn't score quite as many points. I think it was sixty nine so there's been a try knocked off, so it's not all in all, probably even on the face of it. The sirens shouldn't be concerning themselves with the results for against these teams. Kustoff and a third in the league, they need to be looking at those teams that are near them down the bottom, where bagged a big, massive circle round Geary and making sure that everybody's fit and their, their game is prepped up, ready for that fixture because that is that is the one. The rest of it is is all extra minutes, it's all extra fitness, it's all hardening themselves up, making themselves more robust because that's the game that it's going to come down to. Potentially the same
0: for Annan when it comes to the Annan Warriors when it comes to the end of the season. For me, it's hard to it's hard to comment because obviously I wasn't there to see the game, but it's so so frustrating when you can score twenty one points, which Annan Warriors did at home, but still lose and still concede fifty eight. It just means that your attack is firing really well, but your defence is isn't. And that's something that I would say I would say is quite frustrating clearly there's something working there to score the 21 points. Bigger are a very good side, don't get me wrong. But a lot of the times when you score 21 points, you're expecting to to come close to winning that game. But unfortunately, this time that wasn't the case.
1: Yeah, and and Chocolate Chocolate was really proud of the girls for scoring those 21 points and he felt like they really pushed bigger for a long period in that game and felt like he almost had them rattled up until about half-time. But as you say, Roscoe, a real strong outfit. Bigger, we knew it was going to be a tough one for them and, and Bigger ran away with it, as you say, 58-21. And a shout out to Roisin Connell, who made her Warriors debut. Uh, best in attack were Nicole Mullen and Kerry Warwick, but the sword of the match went to Tammy Allison, who just pipped the other two girls for the best in attack. Defence went to Hannah Patterson uh, and Joey Mitchell. Close runners, but the shield of the match went to Rihanna Parker-Clevit. So, although disappointing result in terms of their overall performance, they're starting to get there with their attacks starting to fire. The last time those two teams played, remember, it was 70 points to five. So, that is quite a significant turnaround for the Annan ladies so they can be proud of that performance and as you say scoring 21 points their attack getting there defensively just need to tighten up a little bit more speaking of
0: bouncing back and exactly what I said a little bit earlier having a dip but coming back and improving from it is the Shire ladies they had an indifferent start to the season couple wins couple losses and now I believe the weekend just passed was their third win on the bounce they welcomed Greenock and beat them
1: 29-17. seventeen. Fourth win on the bounce. Fourth win, sorry. Fourth one on the bounce for the girls this weekend. Yeah, and that's a that's a really good really good result for them. Greenock Wanderers, we know are a are a, are a decent side and being able to put that's a kind of tight game where they sort of both of them are mid table. I think Greenock were just above Shire going into this game. But that win lets Shire leapfrog them and put them into a good strong position. 22 points. They'll be happy with that result and they'll be looking for a a well-deserved break having four on the bounce. A little chance to regroup and then kick on again when they start back their fixtures in a couple of weeks' time. The Dumfries
0: ladies now had their tournament, tournament five at Greenock and this time... We have a comprehensive match report to bring you
1: exactly what happened
0: for our new girls on the block.
1: And a shout-out to their handsome coach. I think that's how he described himself on his own social media page, Uh, Ross Strawbridge, for for the match report. I am going to read that as he sent me it because, well, you'll be able to tell whenever I start reading it. The skies opened and the rain bucketed down, and in a scene which only resembled the first half of the original Space Jam. The Looney Tunes of Dumfries faced off against the monstrous pack of Paisley. From the kickoff, the Giants from Paisley were camped in the Dumfries 22 with some great defence holding tight for what must have been 10 plus phases of attack from Paisley. Then the ball went wide and sp- into space and they scored. Straight from the kickoff, Paisley's pack put the squeeze on Dumfries, bulldozing up the pitch to score again, taking it to 10-0. Dumfries pulled himself together and, with some great pressure, forced a fumble from the opposition, giving Dumfries a scrum inside their own 22. Tony Anderson scooped up the ball from the base of the scrum, beat three defenders and ran the length of the field to score a consolation try, which meant the final score was 10-5. Second game of the day, with the rain getting a little bit lighter, After having a breather in the changing rooms to grab a snack, a cuddle, and a dry top, Dumfries began this game on the attack and began to play the way they'd spoken about in the break. An early try from Tasha Humphries, who ran a great support line, collecting the ball from Annabel Hiddleston, who broke the line over the top two players to get them started. Greenock Blues hit back straight away with not one but two quick tries. Annabel stole the ball with a great clear out from a ruck. Quick interchange between Tony, Emily Hunter at 10 and Abby Rogerson freed the constant threat of Annabelle, Daddy Longlegs, Hiddleston to score, evening up the scoreline. Second half score... <laughs> the second half saw Tasha two tries seal her second of the game and after a great break from Abby Tate, saw the ball come, saw, saw Saw the ball come out to the jinky KD Carpatrick to score, finding the smallest of gaps in the Greenock defence. The rapid Greenock the scrum half, who had caused problems for Dumfries from the start of the game, pounced on an opening in the Dumfries defence to score. And as the clock was running out, Greenock scored a controversial try in the corner, evening, 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 man alive, I can't speak. Evening up the game at 20 points to 20. There's more. After a quick five minute breather, Dumfries took the field for the last game of the day up against the Glasgow uni team who hadn't looked out of place and who wouldn't have looked out of place in an athletics meet. Glasgow scored first, utilizing the raw pace round Dumfries to score. Dumfries hit back with Amanda Wood and Caitlin Maxwell, trucking the ball up, keeping things tight. A pop pass from Kara Myatt put Abite in half a yard of space, and that's all she needed to go through the gap and over the top of the defence to score against the last defender. Half time score, 5-5. A very cold and wet Dumfries team went back out, knowing it would be one half until they got a nice warm shower. Glasgow scored again through the pace that they have abundance of. Tony began to marshal her forwards like a pack of dogs, letting them hit up through the middle, with Abby Rogerson and Abby Tate really impressing. The ball came out to Emily Hunter, who put it wide to Rebecca Robinson, who Robertson, sorry, who rounded the first defender before getting stopped. A quick ruck and great presentation provided Dumfries with the fastball they needed against an unset defence. Through the hands from Tony, Emily and Tasha, who cut the defence for Annabel Huddeston to run into. An attempt at a last-ditch tackle was to no avail and Annabelle went over in the corner. With the score at 10-10, the referee called the game with a few minutes to go after a Glasgow player injured himself in the process of Annabelle's try. We wish her well and a speedy recovery. All in all, it was a tough day at Greenock and awful weather. Some real grit, some great play was shown by the ladies. Standout performances of the day go to Tony Mad Dog Anderson for her tackling like a woman possessed. And... Scoring a great try, Abby wrecking ball Tate for some outstanding ball carriers, and Annabelle Daddy Long Legs Hiddleston for a leadership, ball stealing, and attack play. Comprehensive report. I think we can see from your namesake Ross. Can I say something? Writing match reports as a as an actual journalist,
0: as a professional journalist, probably a better way of putting it. Writing match reports are a lot harder than it seems. To make them genuinely interesting and the right details and fun to listen or read is actually a lot harder than than you might think. So I have a lot of respect for that. To do it by using every single metaphor and every simile and every adjective that the Oxford dictionary has is also pretty impressive. So fair play, D Ross,
1: that's gotta be the best match report matches report we've ever had. And apologies, I can't read it just justice, but I tried my best for As
0: much as I love that match report, please, the rest of the coaches, don't get the same idea because <laughs> this will be the longest podcast that's ever existed if we all read out, if we read out all of yours that were like that. We'll come to Dumfries, ladies, in just a minute. We're going to rattle through the fixtures preview. You basically know everything you need to know by this point in the season. We've played eight games now. Most of the teams, at least, we know where we're sitting in the league. We'll just let you know where and who they're playing with a couple key pointers. Newton Stewart, they are away at Sterling County.
1: Yeah, and this is a real mid-table clash. Newton just above Sterling in the league, although there is a bit of a points gap, but sort of that's the, where the league sort of splits up into two. Newton obviously sitting in the top half, Sterling in the bottom. So it's a bit of a sticky wicket. Wiley will not be wanting to count his chickens before the hatch, but Newton should be going into this fairly comfortable. He will, Wiley will be a little concerned, though, that Newton's attack isn't quite up to scratch with What's happening in the rest of the league? They're currently on 171 points. When you compare that to Stirling County, 230. Gordonians, 228. Peebles, 205. Falkirk, 257. Last Wade, eh, 249. Sorry. You'll be looking to try and pick that attack up. And this will give them a bit of an opportunity on the road and a tough game to, to really cement that hop, half of the table position. And, and try and start building, sort of run into the season, I suppose, because we're almost at the halfway mark for the lads. So it'll be a good, it's a good one for them. It'll be an interesting game and wish them all the very best.
0: Dumfries Saints off the back of a, a loss at the weekend to Orkney
1: are going away this weekend to Preston Lodge. And it's going to be difficult. Preston Lodge is at the top of the table in that league. Paddy, again, is going to be looking at the performance. He's got to be making sure that those performances are in line with what they're doing and they're constantly improving. So we hope that they can put in a good shift and they make sure that they keep on the track that they need to be on because what you don't want is what Paddy was saying at the weekend there where they've put in a decent performance. The score maybe hasn't reflected that. The last thing they want to do is go to Preston Lodge undercooked. And, and end up suffering a, a big defeat. So we're, we're hoping that they are able to put something out that's a performance that lets Paddy put in another match report that says he's he's happy with the performance and how things are going. Into National 4 now,
0: and us at Stewartry are hoping for a bounce back against Murrayfield
1: Wanderers. Yeah, and this will be another interesting one. Both teams have played eight fixtures, Stewartry having a slightly better record of four and four. Murrayfield Wanderers having only picked up two it is away from home, which will make it that added added difficulty for the Stewartry team. But yeah, they've got to sort this form out. They've got to make sure that they're consistent. They've got to make sure that their wingers are paying attention and not standing about looking at balls, putting their body on the line, getting down to it, know what the score lines are. At this level, you just can't can't have players on the pitch that are doing that, Eros. Couldn't agree more, mate. Honestly, <laughs> couldn't agree more.
0: Moving so, so swiftly on into West 1. And this weekend, Annen, as you said, John, rugby comes thick and fast. They need a pickup. And they've got another chance this weekend as they play Straven.
1: Yeah, it's a home game. So they don't have to contend with the, with that bus trip that they had at the weekend there. Straven coming down, they've only got three wins. Annen have got two wins. So there's there's a bit of scope there. Nine points between them in the league. That opportunity to put in that performance. What they need is they need the performance that they had against East Kilbride. Jan told us that they played really well to a man, couldn't pick out a, a, a player who stood above. Everybody stood up, but they just weren't clinical enough. This weekend against Draven, they need to take those chances. They need to make sure they're converting Josh on his 101 appearance home game for him. Hopefully they can make it a good memory for him, a good game. There's an opportunity there for them, but they have to make sure they're on it to take it and take it with two hands. Any chance you get, they need to be finishing them off. And that's certainly, I imagine the chat that Jan's going to be having with them is when we create those chances, we've got to make them. Quite useful, John,
0: that you just mentioned East Kilbride there because that is who Shire are playing this
1: weekend. Fourth versus fifth. If we were looking at things, this is probably going to be our game of the weekend. It's going to be two, It's going to be a clash of styles again. East Kilbride, that kind of big physical team. Shire want to try and play that wide, wide part. Both of them on reasonably even footing in terms of their... Uh, Wins for each. Shire got one extra game, which was a loss. And Bride sitting on one less game, and obviously one less loss. So, it's all to play for And that lot. As we've said when we had John on the podcast, the number of points difference between those two sides is just incredible. There is only four points splitting splitting second place, all the way down to Lindsay, who are in 8th, 7th, in 7th place. So, tight at the top, as they say, going to be a great chance for Shire, East Kilbride, having to come down. They struggled on the road down to Annan, but it, yeah, Annen, But were able to pick up a victory. They've got to do that extra little stint down to Shire, which will be another two hours for them. <laughs> so, Shire need to get them off the bus, and make not off the bus, out of the clubhouse, and make sure they're firing. Over to East 1, and Langham will be keen to lace on the boots
0: after having their game, again, I don't know the word, postponed, cancelled, not played because Broughton weren't ready. They are away this time
1: at Royal High, another one that's very close in the table. Yeah, these guys are almost identical, aren't they? Two, Two wins, five losses, seven games played, two points between them, Royal High, well, the team that were supposed to fall into the National League but opted for to go back down into regional rugby because they were, they were really struggling. And they found themselves mid-table, so it's not a bad decision from them. Langham will be hoping, as you say, Roscoe, an extra break that weekend there. They'll be hoping that their boys are champing at the bit to make sure that they get a good game this weekend uh, and they're able to put out a good performance and bring home a win from Edinburgh. The last one for the men's section is...
0: Of course, Moffat. And this weekend they are away. As you mentioned, John, a long trip and a trip to a team doing pretty well in the league. Loch Arbour.
1: Four hour bus journey for the Moffat lads to get to Loch Arbour. And as you see, Roscoe, the Loch Arbor are sitting fourth, so by absolutely no means are they any mugs. Um Loch Arbor, I imagine it's been a while since I've played against them. But traditionally, big heavy pack, they're looking like a second Irving, so Roscoe and his coaching team will be hoping that the boys will have learned a lesson from that from that Irving game, and they're able to put into practice what we talked about and what they've been talking about in terms of being able to physically match the match an opposition without allowing them to dominate the game and impose their playing style on them. So they'll need to front up, make sure they win the secure ball in their set piece, and then get their game firing where. Their wingers are getting hands on ball. Max is getting into space, and they're able to play the rugby. This time next week, we can look forward to
0: yet another hopefully match report like we've just read out. Dumfries Ladies back in action again this weekend for round six, and this competition is at Waysiders.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's getting really interesting now for the for the Dumfries Ladies because obviously the games are getting much closer now. Uh, the opposition are obviously improving and catching up. Dumfries were clearly much better organised and much better at hitting the ground running at the start of the season, which led to the kind of 50-point victories that we were seeing. But now they're in the, the nitty-gritty games where they're really going to learn and really going to develop and it's going to stand them in great stead for the, for themselves going forward. And Richard, their their coach, unfortunately wasn't able to make the game at the weekend. So I don't know if we're going to get a colourful Ross Strawbridge match report because he might not be required to go but the amount of shout-outs he's getting on this podcast I, we better get a mention on his socials and, and I'm expecting a match report again next week from from one of them I'm sure Richard will also do a, a tremendous match report not that you have to live up to Ross we don't expect that Richard but we we'll look forward to reading how the Saints ladies get on when they go to Waysiders this weekend
0: Yeah, a lot to look forward to, a lot of teams to continue doing what they're doing, a lot of teams as well to pick things up, try and stop the slide, get back to winning ways. A lot of players ready to go, a lot of people, well, at least one person needing to wake up at the end of games. We can't wait to see what happens this weekend, as always. John, I don't know if you have any, any other rugby business, but I have... One piece, which is actually just, it's normally your piece, but I'm hoping that you're, you're going to get onto it. I'm just double checking that you're, you're going to go through it. Are you, I'm talking about the predictor, the World Cup predictor league. Don't know if you've had a chance to look at it. I haven't, you haven't. Well, I will give it to you and let you run through it as you've been doing it for, for the rest of the World Cup. And you can give a live reaction to, to what's been happening and where we've all ended up.
1: No, not Not a chance. How have you done that? You've rigged that. Absolute daylight. There's been a glitch in the computer system. I've got no idea how this has happened. Absolutely shocking. In fifth place, Dav Thompson on 290 points. I have finished a ridiculous fourth with 325 points. Jay Mitch getting into third with 325 points. Fleming, 1977, 338 points. Well done to everybody who took part in the score predictor, and I'm not going to tell you who finished first, because it's a con. I don't even believe that's the... uh, That's not your app. You've Photoshopped that. (laughs) So, as you can probably
0: guess, somehow the lame horse at the back of the race, that had a broken leg and one missing leg at the same time, has come away and stolen the Grand National by two points. I think it's because I predicted South Africa to win the World Cup. I also put on my own bet at the start of the World Cup. That's that's why I was so cheesing on Saturday night, because obviously we stayed up here in the Stretcher clubhouse what watched the game, and I said at the start of the tournament for South Africa to win and I won a decent bit of money. And at the same time, I won the Predictor game. So all is well and good again, isn't it, John? I'm sure you swiftly want to move on to your next
1: any other rugby business piece. Yeah, we just got to move swiftly on to someone who actually deserves a shout-out for winning something. Scotland Women's want to give them a shout-out for winning the WXV2 competition at the weekend. So this is the latest development from World Rugby to promote the women's game there is basically three sort of mini competitions that will run annually. It was all to do with seedings and who was going to land and where, et cetera, et cetera. So Scotland found themselves in the second league, which included the likes of Italy, Japan, uh, USA, Samoa, South Africa, and Scotland. And they ran out winners of that Competition. So well done to them. I'm not 100% sure. I'm not going to lie. I tried to do a little bit of research on it on Sunday night when I seen after the World Cup and I seen that the the women had managed to win it over the weekend. Uh, Tried to figure it out. And it looks to me, I'm I'm just going to say it, looks to me like one of the most complicated setups I've ever seen in my life. You've got qualifying pools, depending on where you finish in the qualifying pool. Depends on what position you end up in. Top two from each pool goes into League One. Middle two go into the middle one. Bottom one goes in. But then there's promotion and relegation moving forward. So I'll need to properly sit down and try and get my head around it. It'll probably take us a little while to try and figure out but this is the first time that it's ran so just a shout out to those girls you can only play who's in front of you you can only win the division that you are placed in they managed to pick up a real good win against South Africa 31-17, they then managed to beat USA 24-14 they beat Japan 38-7, just in the pool stages and managed to, to win that comp. so well done to them, it's a great achievement
0: All in all, smiles all round. And John, when it comes to any other rugby business, I can tell you're absolutely seething. Just like you said to me when I went through the stewardry thing, John, I hope you think that this might go away in weeks and weeks to come, but (laughs) I hope you still lie awake and think about this predictor game that you've ran and, and gloated about for the past however long the World Cup's been on. What a day. What an episode. Thank you very much for listening. We look forward to the next one. Good luck to all of our teams, as always, this weekend. Fingers crossed for that first ever clean sweep. Cheers, John.
1: Just make sure you pay attention in the game this week, Roscoe.
0: If I'm playing. (laughs) I've selected. (laughs) Thank you for listening to another episode of the Dumfries and Galloway rugby podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a like and review on our social medias.
1: Our Facebook page is Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are Pod. We also have the Score Predictor, which we run weekly, which will be on our social media accounts. And once again, thank you for any support that you offer the pod. It really does help us spread the word of rugby in Dumfries and Galloway across the country.